it's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talkin' Ag Lane Nordland for today's LaneCast. Welcome back for more agriculture conversations on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. And as the fall of 2022 moves along, I'm excited to share with you these two conversations in today's episode. Part of our conversation will be with two Junior Red Angus Board of Director members, two outstanding college students that I had a chance to meet with at the National Red Angus Association Convention held in Kalispell, Montana this fall. But first, we'll catch up with rancher Jared Clark, who is also very knowledgeable about pasture range and forage insurance and what that does for producers who are experiencing a lack of rainfall and how this policy can help offset the cost of buying more hay, but more importantly, keeping your cattle herd together. We'll be back with our conversation with Jared Clark and later on, some of those outstanding leaders, a part of the Junior Red Angus Board after this. Well, friends, as we come back for more agriculture conversations here on the Lanecast Ag Podcast, uh, it's been a pretty tough go for producers out in the countryside when when we just look at the conditions of uh, having a lack of rainfall. And, of course, that just uh, creates a lot of stress on producers as they make their way through uh, growing food and fiber for the world. And uh, joining us here today is one of our friends, fellow rancher, Mr. Jared Clark. And Jared, of course, not only being a rancher, but also is an individual that helps ranchers understand their risk. And if you've uh, heard Jared in the past, he he understands uh, the challenges that producers go through, as I mentioned, because he is a rancher. He knows what it's like to haul water (laughs) to his cattle, (laughs) to, to irrigate. To, to put up with drought himself. But uh, Jared, I do want to talk about the the, the deadlines coming up for, for so many important risk management tool uh, programs that ranchers really should consider partaking in. But first off, uh, how, how are things looking in, in your part of the world? Yeah, I mean, parts of our world, we are, we are in harvest. Uh, corn is uh, starting to wrap up. And, um, you know, corn harvest for us uh, has been fairly quick. Um, has not been anything to brag about, um, but uh, we're almost done. So we'll, we'll count that as a good one. And then uh, just with as hot and dry as we've been, I guess cotton is a good thing uh, for us to have uh, here in the panhandle of Texas. Um, as far as, uh, you know, the cattle side of things, uh, you know, weaning calves um, just depends on where you're at. Uh, we've seen some areas that um, have had some really spotty rain and um, might have some winter pasture, but for the most part, that's that's really far and few in between. Um, I mean, not a not a great start to the fall. I mean, for all things speaking, agriculture. So. Well, uh, up here in central Montana, uh, just uh, east of Great Falls last week, I, I know the guys that were able to uh, scratch in a, a winter wheat crop uh, in the previous uh, few weeks, they were pretty elated because we got three inches of rain last week here at our uh, place and at my in-laws' place. So it's kind of a, it's the most rain we've got all 
<laughs> all summer. <laughs> and we, we kind of got it in one go. I, I wish it would have been a month earlier, but uh, the, the, the cheat grass and all the other grasses definitely are popping up. It, it looks pretty green yep. out driving around here. But, yeah, you know, Jared, uh, uh, we, we talk about rain or the lack of it in so many different places. Of course, uh, you and the team with Sylvius Insurance, uh, you and your cousin Gordon, you're friends to so many producers up here in the, the Northern Plains and Rocky Mountain West. And uh, obviously that pasture range forage insurance, rangeland forage insurance, excuse me, is really changing the game on how producers can manage a lack of rainfall. Uh, we had a great conversation uh, several months ago with one of my good friends, Turk Stovall, and, and Turk talked about you know, well, we brought it up. You guys don't live in Montana. You live in Texas, but you guys are up here all the time. You travel to people's operations. And Turk pretty much said it this way. He goes, I trust these guys because they know what they're talking about. They have the technology to help me see how we can make some money back when we need to buy hay or other feed rations uh, for our cattle. And, and so on that front, uh, let's just talk about pasture range and forage insurance, what it is, and then what these tools look like and uh, what, what folks are looking like, especially as we move throughout this year, preparing for that policy for next year that needs to be uh, bought by December 1st. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're coming up pretty quick on the deadline. I couldn't believe it's October already, but yeah, pasture rangeland and forage is, um, is really a great way to uh, you know, manage your rainfall risk. Um, just as the example you just gave, Lane, of, man, we've been really dry all year. I mentioned we have been spotty. Um, that's a great part of this program is uh, it's split into two-month intervals that you get to choose. Um, there's actually 11 of them throughout the year, uh, January, February, February, March, all the way through November, December. And what's great about these two-month intervals is they all stand alone. So... Um, you know, Lane, say you were in this September, October interval. Um, and let's say before that you were, or your next interval is November, December. Well, just because you get a good rain in September, October does not knock you out from any coverage that you have mm -hmm. um, in the next interval or the interval prior to that. And so, you know, flexibility is really good. Um, but each of these intervals, uh, man, there's an average rainfall that uh, is associated with each interval. Um, down to your area. And uh, that average goes all the way back to 1948. And so in essence, this program is coming in, you choose your intervals. And um, once you put coverage in these intervals, we're just going to see um, after they pass, how far are you from average? Um, if you're, if you're above average, you're not going to get a payment. If you're below average and below your coverage level, depending on the amount that you are below that, you'll start to get a payment based off of a dollar amount of coverage um, that is associated with the grass or hay uh, that you're insuring. Um, you know, the next important thing about choosing your interval is I say, man, there's 11 of them. Now you got to make a blind choice is Sylvius. We have gone in and, and built some software so that we, can understand um, what average of an interval is uh, because that is a big piece. And, and how we use this is, um, you know, we can look over the last 10 years and we see that um, we can see that maybe September, October has, we say it has not paid very well, 
But in essence, what we're looking at is there's really not much of a risk there. Why is it not paying? Because you're getting average or more almost every single year. So your perceived knowledge of risk in September, October is really um, not correct because yes, it is dry. We get that, but it's been dry since 1948. And so what this really does is it really does help us allow to look into our operation and make informed decisions of where do you want your coverage and what, what works best for your operation so that when it is drier than normal, when there's that deviation there, um, the program is there to help you out, whether that's to buy hay, whatever you need that for, um, that can help you with. Now, uh, a lot of folks that are in the insurance game uh, right now, they're really ramping up a lot of advertising uh, in papers, on radio, really, really pushing uh, the uh, PRF product. But I guess the main question that I'm sure uh, ranchers, landowners ask you is what sets you and the Sylvia's team apart when it comes to picking these time intervals, using historical data and technology to actually ma make the choice the best that it can be and, and utilizing tools that other people may not have on hand that, that are uh, also providing these uh, uh, policies. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that sets us aside is just um, how long we've been in the industry. Um, my cousin Gordon and Brent um, that I'm partners with, they sold some of the very first policies of PRF uh, when it first became available in the early 2000s. Um, as well as you couple that with, uh, you know, Silvius's technology team, building good data. Um, but third, um, as you mentioned earlier, Lane, we, we're ranchers ourselves. We're in agriculture. We're running cattle. We're growing crops. And I think you really got to be able to take all of those and put all of those pieces together um, and with that, we can really help make an informed decision and be able to communicate with a producer, how does this stuff fit together? How does it work and how can it help you the best? I think um, you can have great technology, but if you can't relate it to a producer, what good does it do you? Um, if I'm a producer and, um, and have no technology, no information, then how do I know what I'm saying is correct? Um, you know, so I really think it takes all three of these pieces to put them together. Um, and with that, I believe we're able to deliver something to a producer that is very effective. Well, also uh, another example of risk management is the livestock risk protection tool. Uh, a lot of producers are maybe hearing about this uh, for the first time, or maybe they've heard Russell Nimitz and I talk about it on air. What exactly is this tool and how can you utilize that and, and, and really managing that risk, especially as a cow-calf producer, because there's a lot of risk at the start of the supply chain when we're producing beef. Yeah, LRP, Livestock Risk Protection, is a really neat program. Uh, it's, been a, it's been around for a long time, actually. Um, but uh, recently, with some changes to the program, it's, uh, it's become a little more effective uh, tool to buy, mainly because it is federal crop insurance. And it is uh, subsidized uh, by USDA. Um, but long story short, LRP is a put option. If I look at futures and options, it is a put option or a price floor against the feeder cattle index um, if you're in feeder cattle. Um, and so uh, what, it, what you can do is you can buy a time frame. I'm going to look at 
man, I'm going to be weaning calves, uh, let's say weaning and selling calves uh, next year. I could go out and find that time frame, say August. I can look at the offers that are available. And let's just say uh, the offers available uh, are trading 180. Mm -hmm. And so what that does is once I get to next August, I wean my calves. Maybe I've already, I'm selling them. And now all I got is I've got a price floor. Now I can go out and see what is the feeder cattle index uh, posted by CME. And if I am below my coverage level, uh, they'll make up the difference. And if I'm above the coverage level, then I don't get a payment. I have no indemnity. Mm -hmm. But that does provide some price protection. Uh, Lane, we like to compare these things to put options. Uh, we also have a sister company, Sylvia's Financial, uh, where we consult people on profitability uh, within cattle and grains. And um, so we're very heavy into the futures and options world. And as a feeder cattle guy comes and talks to me, cow, calf, stalker, whatever it may be. Hey, Jared, we really need to uh, get some price protection. How do we do this? And uh, a lot of times we plug in where's their profitability at. And then we can look at the difference of what does a put provide as well as what does a LRP um, product provide. Um, and then we can do the comparisons because there are goods and bads of both products. Um, you know, options, you're going to be in 50,000 lots. You got to put the money up front, but you also have the flexibility to close it out or trade out of it at any point in time before expiration. But you also pay full price. LRP, we're able to buy on a per head basis. Um, but once we're in it, we're kind of stuck in it till the very end. Um, and once you buy an expiration of August 20th, you're stuck into that expiration of August 20th until the end. Um, but the good thing is, um, you know, on average, we're seeing subsidies of 30%. So in essence, I'm able to give up some flexibility and get a 30% discount with the subsidy and I have an LRP price protection. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a really good tool the last year um, for guys to really get a floor under their price. Let's go out, grow some cattle and quit worrying about where's price going to be. Now there could be some people listening saying, Oh gosh, darn, I hear the word subsidy. I, I, I don't know if that's a good thing for me to do. Is this going to be too hard? You know, I really would rather just listen to what my local livestock market trend is, you know, and, uh, and just be rid of my calves then, uh, I guess uh, as a producer yourself, why, why do you use these policies? Yeah, I'll address the, the government subsidy head on, Lane, and um, there's things I don't agree with that come out of the government or USDA, um, but for the most part, we, we have to, um, as a producer, how we have survived is opening up what tools are available to us and how can we use them within the realm that they're built for and how can we use them effectively. Um, and that's generally how we have taken our stance, whether we agree or disagree, hey, what tools are available? Because, man, I've got an operation that I would love to pass down to my children. And the only way I know to do that is to be effective and to make really good risk management decisions um, that allow me to be profitable year in and year out. And in general, what we have found uh, as we look at profitability, um, where do we build generational wealth? Where do we expand? Where do we bring, where do we bring our children into the operation 
it's that 10 to 15 percent top end of profit that we have to protect for that to for that to be uh, the best and uh, i'll tell you right now as a guy that trades future and options man i'm i'm wrong more than 50 percent of the time on where the market's going to go uh, that's why we focus on what is your profitability and where can what tools are available to lock that in. Mm -hmm. Once again, you still get back to risk and reward. Where the market's going, I have my opinions, but they're just that. They're an opinion. Well, with that, there's always deadlines uh, for, for enrollment in these programs. Uh, do you want to go over what those are and, and what a producer can be doing here in the next few weeks if they are considering this, what resources are available, or, or how you you and the, the Sylvia's team can work with them to uh, try and get them signed up for the 2023 year? Yeah, great thing with, uh, I'll start with LRP. It's the easiest one. Um, if you don't have a policy for LRP, um, you can come out and get set up, if you will, um, to put on an, an LRP endorsement at any time. Um, we've been walking a lot of guys through how does this work? Um, what are the components? How could this um, be effective for me? And the easiest way to do that, just give us a call. Um, my cell phone number is a pretty good one to call. It's 806-717-8704. Call us anytime. We'd love to uh, sit down with you, uh, whether in person, over the internet, and really show dive you in and go. This is here are the components, and then we'll let you decide for yourself. You know, is this a fit for your operation or not? Uh, for PRF, uh, pasture, rangeland, and forage, uh, we do have a sign-up deadline of December first. Um, so right now, we're we're really meeting with people, putting plans in front of them, options. Um, and working to get um, all the paperwork filled out um, by that date of December 1st. Um, once again, uh, we're going to do the heavy lift here for you. So uh, just give me a shout at my number, and uh, we'd love to get with you, show you what we can do. Uh, with a little bit of information, uh, we can get you a, a long ways. Uh, you can also visit our, rain, our website at raininscom uh, there'll be uh, some good information, some good videos if you want to self-study, as well as our phone numbers on there. So please give us a shout and uh, we can uh, walk you through and put, put the options in front of you. Well, again, just having those opportunities uh, to, to manage that risk, uh, they haven't always been there for uh, livestock producers, and now they are, and it's a great time to be able to, uh, as you said, protect uh, that income that will make it possible to continue on for years to come and pass it on to the next generation. Uh, Jared, anything else you would just like to share with our audience here today? I mean, I think these are uh, just great tools. It's been great to travel uh, throughout the state this year and meet with different producers. I uh, had a really good conversation with MSU as well, um, helping them with some stuff. And uh, I feel like we can provide something for you that uh, will really help you out. Um, as Gordon always says, uh, a good rainfall is better than an insurance policy any day. And that's what we're hoping for. But uh, if and when uh, that doesn't happen, we really do want to be there to help you with something that does have a positive impact on on your ranch. Exactly. Well, again, thank you to Jared Clark with Sylvius Insurance for joining us here today. And a reminder that uh, pasture, rangeland, and forage uh, policy uh, enrollment deadline is December 1st. So uh, make sure and reach out to uh, 
the Clarks there at rainins.com. Uh, you can find out there all their information, give them a call, or, or just seek more on these important products that can help risk, uh, help you manage risk, excuse me, out in the countryside. Jared, thanks for joining us here today. Yep. Thank you, Lane. Don't go too far. We'll be joined by Junior Red Angus Association board members Mitchell Vanderwall and Natalie Evans after these words. Jared and Gordon Clark with Silvius Insurance are trusted by ranchers like Turk Stovall when it comes to pasture range and forage insurance. I really feel like we're dealing with really informed people and we're really working with really state-of-the-art type of software. What worked in the past and over many years of historical data for our region, what works best for us for where we actually live. And we're data focused and it really seems to be a really great fit for us. Contact Jared or Gordon Clark for your PRF or LRP policies by visiting rainins.com. All righty, friends. Welcome back to yet again another agriculture conversation here on the Lionecast Ag Podcast in conjunction with the Western Ag Network. We are in northwest Montana today. The National Red Angus Convention is underway here in Kalispell. And uh, a little bit of smoke up in the air, but uh, hey, we're making our way through September 2022 and over 250 people attending this year's event. And uh, we're lucky enough to be joined by the National Junior Red Angus Board of Director members joining us here today, uh, Mitchell Vanderwall from South Dakota and Natalie Evans from Illinois. And uh, welcome to our, our conversation here today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So have uh, either of you been to Montana before? Nope, this is my first time. This is the first time, yep. First time as well, and this is my third time ever to Kalispell. We, I don't make it over this far. <laughs> you know, we kind of call this California. Yeah. Uh, Western Montana, yeah. but uh, it's great to see so many producers from across the nation. And uh, Mitchell, for yourself, uh, uh, are you a sophomore? Is that what you, uh, you said there at South Dakota State? Yep, I'm a sophomore at South Dakota State University. Go Jackrabbits. <laughs> well, again, I'll, I'll go Bobcats. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sorry we beat you last year, but it saved you from getting beat by North Dakota State at that uh, national championship game. We took that loss for you guys, too. So Right, right. At least we didn't have to lose to the Bison in the playoffs. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, Natalie, for yourself, uh, a home, home state of Illinois, but yep. uh, you find yourself in Kentucky uh, for your uh, studies. Yep, I go to Murray State University in Murray, Kentucky. Um, it's a small-ish town. Um, I'm a pre-vet major, and not many people know about it, but go racers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there we go. I mean, we got all, all of our uh, alma maters in there. But uh, when we talk about the National Junior Red Angus Board, uh, I guess, what, what is it for our listeners out there that maybe weren't involved in associations growing up or the opportunities, especially on that youth leadership level? Yeah, so we're basically a youth program that is the step with uh, the National Red Angus Board. Um, we're just the juniors. We handle a lot of the junior activities. We go on a lot of really fun trips uh, throughout the year. Um, we'll go through a lot of summer trips and we'll go to a couple shows and help out there. And really our purpose is to help young members grow through their Red Angus activities and to meet more people and to make uh, industry connections. And we do that through Red Angus. So, And really what sparked your interest, Natalie, in uh, 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 joining the, the board and applying for it? So, um I kind of got started in my cattle career a little bit later. You know, I had uh, swine and I had lambs earlier in my life. But at the age of 12, um, we had a bottle calf on our farm. And my brother showed it at our county fair. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. So we went to Red Angus Sale. We got um, 
a show heifer, and then I started getting involved, and, you know, I went to Red Angus Roundup, which is one of our events, and I had a blast there, and um, so I started going to, like, junior nationals and more of, all, of the Red Angus events, and then I was, like, it was my senior year of high school, and I was, like, you know what, I want to be more involved, so I applied. Um, I kind of had a little issue with my application, but I was able to get on, and I'm so glad I did because it has opened up, like, so many doors, and... I guess going back to what sparked it was like I was always involved through 4-H. My high school that I went to didn't have FFA, so I really got involved through 4-H, and I was like, oh, this is just another great opportunity to meet people, you know, make connections and open up more doors for me. And Mitchell, for yourself, uh, talk about your background in uh, in the livestock business. I grew up in uh, northeastern South Dakota, a town called Brentford, South Dakota. Uh, my family, we had about 100 head seed stock operation. Uh, we started out predominantly shorthorn, actually, but as time went on, my sister started buying some black Angus, and I started buying some Herefords, actually. And uh, over time, we kind of met in the middle and discovered how uh, red Angus can really be utilized as a crossbreeding program. We'd be a lot of our shorthorn and Hereford cows, uh, red Angus, and that worked really well. Um, started showing some purebred females and got involved in my state level. Um, and uh, family friends of ours, the Jung family from Mina, they kind of pushed me in this direction and s- told me to go to my first roundup. Um, our roundup is our big trip in the summer for the Gene Red Angus. And I went there, met some really cool people and decided I didn't want to leave. So I applied for the board and here I am on my second term. So um, that was that was pretty cool um, coming from South Dakota and seeing a little bit part of the world or at least part of the country and mm-hmm. seeing how egg varies throughout the rest of it. So now before we started our, our recording here today, uh, you were mentioning uh, going to South Dakota State University and that uh, you have quite a lot of Dutch uh, <laughs> Dutch uh, 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 families that, that are in your grade classes as well in Brookings there. But I, I, I kind of laugh at that because in uh, Amsterdam and Manhattan, Montana, there's a lot of Red Angus producers that are also Dutch so I don't know what what the Dutch deal is with Red Angus but uh, there's obviously a connection do you think there's a connection there yeah I'd say Dutch people definitely have a good taste in hide color that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) and uh, there at South Dakota State University uh, what, what did you start off studying and where are you at now um, I actually started off as an egg ed major. My dad graduated from SDSU as an egg ed major, and he actually switched careers right away and went to agronomy. And I thought, you know what, if I go egg ed, I can learn a bit, a little bit about crops, a little bit about cows, and a little bit about teaching. And as I got into it, I discovered how much I really loved talking about cattle. And I kind of pushed myself a little more and ended up going in the direction of animal science. So now I'm kind of majoring in animal science. Um, took a little bit of egg ed classes, really enjoyed it. But I think there's a really bright future in animal science. Uh, no matter what area I go into, whether it's staying within a breed association like this, selling feed, talking about feedlot cattle, I think there's a lot of different directions I can go. So a little bit of a major change, but I'm pretty excited about what the future holds. I always joke because I started off in ag economics my, my freshman year, and I was a state FFA officer, and we're gone all the time. And I'm like, I'm not smart enough to be an <laughs> econ major. So I switched to ag ed relations, which was the extension uh, uh, route. And now it's called communications and leadership. They've kind of reshaped the ag ed program. But I always joke that that is the liberal arts degree in the College of Ag. And not your traditional liberal arts, because you do. You get your crop, you get your animal science. And so you are more well-rounded when you come out of that. But I think you'll be on a good route. And um, uh, for yourself, looking at the pre-vet, uh, yep. what what, uh, what what really fired your passion to look at veterinary medicine? So I've always loved animals, you know, that basic answer. But I always have from a young age. And I knew when I wanted to go into school, I kind of I thought about animal science. 
but I was like, you know what, I want to do more of like the care for it. And particularly, I want to do large animals. That was, I was going to ask, especially cat, <laughs> Especially cattle. I think that would just be so cool to me. And like, you know, I've always helped like on our farm. I've always helped, you know, you know, give the vaccinations, do all that, all the good stuff. And it kind of just made me wanted to do it even more. And, you know, I've had doubts. I've always thought, oh, maybe I should go into animal science because, you know what, what if I don't want to go to vet school? But, you know, I kind of pushed those away because, you know, like it's what I've wanted to do since I was like five. Mm -hmm. So that's, I guess, it's just been something inside of me that I've always wanted to do. Now, circling back to the Junior Red Angus Board, what were some of the opportunities that you've seen through this program that have really helped equip you on professional level, on a stakeholder level, meeting different uh, industry members, the, the partners we have in agribusiness? I guess well, let's just talk about that development, uh, professional development you've gained through the board. Um, so I guess for the first time this past year, I, this is my second board term, uh, we had an interview. And, you know, I have had experience with some interviews, but this one was probably like one of the more important ones for me because I was like, I really, really want this. So that like gave me the opportunity to kind of, you know, it was not something that was like, like on a job scale, but it was a very good like introduction to the whole process. So that has really helped me. Um, also coming to like convention like this, like you have to be so open to just meeting people and just like branching out, you know, and just going up to people and being friendly. And that has really helped me, you know, and like through college and like other places that I've gone, I think I've become like more outgoing and I've become a lot more professional in the sense that like I'm not as afraid to talk to people as I used to be. So those are some of the things that I think I've really gained from this. Mitchell? Yeah, I think uh, going to conventions like this and just meeting people throughout the industry, I mean, seeing people from all different areas and anyone from the west coast all the way to the east coast and actually i uh i discovered that the person i camped to next at state fair is here with her company so there's a little <laughs> bit of everything you can talk to a lot of people from far away close up um, on the flip side i think with the kids involved in this industry we go from being a kid that goes on these trips and looking up to those junior board members and then becoming one we realize how much those younger kids look up to us you kind of have that leadership role you kind of have to act professional but still be able to engage with the kid and you know have some fun so anywhere from talking to adults in a educated conversations to connecting with the kid all about the same subject well, I want to stay on that uh, on that uh, foundation of, uh, of looking ahead, but we're going to take a quick sponsor break. We'll be back with Mitchell and Natalie right after this. When it comes to the beef business, there's no room for gray area. The decisions being made in Washington affect the future of the beef industry, the livelihood of your fellow farmers and ranchers. Your National Cattlemen's Beef Association knows there's what benefits cattlemen, and there's what doesn't. Visit ncba.org to learn more. All righty, a big thank you to NCBA for sponsoring today's Agriculture Conversation. Uh, joining us again, Mitchell Vanderwall of South Dakota and Natalie Evans of Illinois. Of course, she's studying there at Murray State in Kentucky, and Mitchell at uh, South Dakota State University there in Brookings. Uh, both of you just mentioned, you know, those opportunities to learn, to grow. But, Mitchell, you mentioned looking up when you were little to, uh, to the junior board members. Why is it so important to set that positive image for these little young uh, cattlemen and women that are running around this convention? And they truly are the, the future of the industry. Uh, I think talking to all these industry mentors, you know, the people that have been here for, you know, 40, 50 years and really developed a strong passion for Red Angus cattle and the egg industry, they were once in my shoes and someday I'm going to be in their shoes. So I think just building that younger generation, ensuring that they're prepped for the future and they know that the egg 
industry is always changing, I think is really important for them to look up to us. You know, looking to the future, like we said, building what's there and what's about to come is really important to keep us going. Yeah, just kind of ex an extension on that. Um, you know, you want to be a good role model for those kids because you want them to be encouraged to do what we do. And you have to be encouraging because if you don't, then there is, there's not going to be a future. And I think, like, also, it is, there's so many great opportunities. And being a good mentor to those kids will have them exposed to that. And, you know, they'll get to meet more people, exp expand their knowledge, you know, share their knowledge with other people. So I think it's really important that you just do that because, they, like you said, they are the future of our industry. So obviously, you, you both are in college, you're learning about new, and I always joke in, in conversations that I have, especially on the podcast, my dad always, did you learn that in college? That's always a saying that he likes to throw in my face. Um, and because, uh, you know, he, he didn't go to college, and he knows a lot about the livestock industry and, and uh, rural businesses. But uh, so you're, you're getting new and improved ways, you're, you're learning about new and improved ways of improving livestock, taking care of livestock, uh, being a voice in, in the industry. So what are some challenges and opportunities that you both see in the Red Angus breed and in the livestock business? You know, I think um, in the future, finding that protein that to feed the world, you know, we've talked about, you know, this fake meat thing that's come about and, you know, how it could change the industry. But in the long run, I mean, there's beef is a big piece of, you know, sending that protein out to the world, something for people to eat. And a lot of people think that, there's one color on the outside that matters on what's on the inside. And to be honest, you know, and even in the red Angus industry and in a lot of other breeds, you know, we're really fighting for, you know, almost that equality of beef is beef. How well can that animal perform? How well can they do from as soon as they hit the ground to the minute they hit the kill floor and then to the plate of a consumer? I think that's a challenge of making sure that all breeds are recognized for what they're good at. I think that all of them have their place in the industry, and I think that all of them will serve as an excellent protein source in the future, and the world, honestly, I think needs to know that. Yeah, so going along with that, um, one of the biggest things that I found out is that there's, I mean, I knew about it before coming to college, but like, you know, a lot of people are against what we do, and it, as an industry, a beef industry as a whole, the livestock industry as a whole, I think it's important that we work together to fight against like the things that people think that we do is wrong because I think if we're so against like butting heads because you know this breed is better than this or this you know species is better than this one we're going to eventually fall apart so I think it's very important as an industry that we stay working together you know obviously promote the things that we that we're good at but I think we also need to work together because that ultimately is going to help us thrive. What would you tell a, a person out there, a young person, about applying for the, the junior Red Angus board? I think it's a big role to fill. I think that when you step in, it's like, oh, my goodness, I think there's a lot that I need to live up to. But then once you get rolling, you really realize how much you can benefit from it. It may be a challenge at first, but over time you're going to learn how important it is to be a leader, how important it is to talk to other kids. And most importantly, we have a lot of fun. You know, we can do the things that we love and still have fun mm -hmm. doing it. Yeah, I was just going to say, do it. Like, I was so on the edge of applying. I was like, you know, I'm really young. Like, you know, what are people going to, like, all these different things are going through my head, but just do it. Um, you know, and if you don't say you don't get on the first time, you try again. Like, just keep trying and keep going at things that you want because ultimately you're going to, like, chase your dreams, do what you want because ultimately you're going to gain so much from those experiences. And if you just quit, then you'll miss out on so much. Um, what, what are you looking forward to most here at the convention this week? 
I kind of like the breakout sessions, to be honest. Um, you know, just listening to what people have to say. And a lot of times afterwards, you can go and have a personal conversation with those people, you know, really picking their brains of what they've learned and what you can learn from what they already know. I think that's one of the coolest parts for me is just talking to people about really intriguing topics that are new and prevalent in the industry. Yeah, I'm just excited to kind of meet new people, um, you know, see what they do, how they run things back at home. You know, if they have, if this is kind of like a side thing, because that's what is like my dad, it's just like a, he does it, but it's not his full-time job. Or if it is their full-time job, just kind of learning more about their operations and things like that. And uh, what are you looking forward to? I know you get to spend a few more days here in Montana uh, as well. What, what, what are you hoping to see? Well, I know the smoke was kind of inhibiting what you get to see, but uh, what are you hoping to accomplish and uh, participate in here in that northwest Montana? You know, I stepped off the plane last night, and I took a deep breath, and I'm like, man, this is some pretty clear air. And you, you look out this morning with the sun, and you can see some smoke. But to be honest, I was like, you know, this is the outdoors. This is this is a little different than where I'm from, and I'm, I'm kind of excited just to be here, be in the moment, be in a different part of the world, and still learn about the same thing just from a different aspect. Yeah, we don't have as much corn over here. That's true. A lot of evergreen trees. They're a lot prettier than corn stalks. Yeah, um, I'm excited just because we have, like, our kind of retreat on Saturday, so I'm Kind of excited to, you know, talk the year out, figure out what we're going to do. But I'm also hoping that we can just go out and kind of see the area because I'm not I'm from the Midwest and there's nothing like this there. And I don't know, Kalispell seems like a kind of a neat little town. So I'm just excited to see what they have. It's a city in Montana. (laughs) It's a city. I mean, I don't know how many people live here, but we consider it a city when there's too many people in traffic jams. That's a city here in Montana. Um, Anything else that you would just like to share with our our listeners here today on our, our agriculture conversations? You know, I've listened to a lot of podcasts and a lot of them have, you know, a bit of a different look on things, but it's really cool having a radio that, you know, talks about the egg industry just from a different point of view. So I, I really appreciate having the opportunity to talk with you about that today. And I think it was pretty cool just to look at things from a different angle and really talk about it in the same coherence. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I could share my experiences and, you know, encourage other whoever is listening out there, encourage us to do what, do what you want and chase your dreams. And yeah, like Mitchell said, thank you for having us. This was, this was really fun. Well, again, uh, thank you to both uh, Mitchell and, and Natalie for joining us here today uh, and for your uh, service to the National Junior Red Angus Board. And uh, f- for more information, of course, on the uh, Junior Red Angus Board, make sure and visit them online at redangus.org. And again, uh, for, for young people out there looking for leadership opportunities in the breed, Make sure and check that out and uh, see what opportunities it may provide you along the way. Well, friends, it's, it's refreshing to hear uh, young people on eggs perspective, and it does fill you with optimism. And, and it takes me back to my FFA days when I didn't have a lot of cares in the world and didn't have to pay a mortgage and, and a cow note and everything like that. So uh, enjoy your college years, but thank you for, for your service and, and your leadership along the way. Friends, that will do it for today's Agriculture Conversation on the Lancast Ag Podcast. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning into the Lanecast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Lanecast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the Lanecast.